welcome to the Retro Blood. Welcome back, everybody, to a brand new month here on the Retro Blood. And this month, we're going to be talking all about 1980s horror anthology movies. That's right. If y'all like multiple stories wrapped up into one movie, then this is the review month for you, brother, because we're starting this one off strong, very strong, with a comic book-like style movie where we have a old man who just wants a piece of cake, where we have a dumb hillbilly played by a very famous horror writer, (laughs) where we have a man from Naked Gun trying to bury people in the beach, (laughs) then we... (laughs) And then we have a, uh, we, we got a, uh, 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 a box creature and the new way to get rid of your wife from this box creature. And of course, we round the whole story up with the nest origin story. That's right, because we are talking about Creep Show, brother. Jay Allison, James Klein, what's happening, Allison? How do you feel about these five stories in Creep Show Man. land? An anthology month. What's land. going on? Yeah, what's going on, James? I really, I really like this. I, I've wanted to do this for a long time. For yeah, a this while. was your idea. Um, yeah, to do these anthology movies. So, I guess we'll just explain to the people probably what an anthology movie is, but uh, we'll do that as we go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, I like how you uh, bring back the nest. Remember when we did that on the show? It's back yeah. in the archives. Well, that's what I was thinking when yeah. I was watching it. I was like, you know yeah. what? Like, this can be like part of that movie. You know what I mean? With the cockroaches everywhere and mm. taking over everything. and Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I was thinking about it. But we'll talk about that when we get there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's exciting. It's going to be a big month. We have five shows this month, at least. I know. And just imagine, it's like, not only is it like five shows, but it's like stories, like, you know, it's like two, three, four stories within one story. So, yeah, pretty interesting. So, you know, my thing about the, the anthology stuff is they don't really do that too much right now in movies. They Like, they kind of do and they kind of don't. The only, uh, I mean, I could be, you know, like, I don't know every single horror movie ever made out there, okay? But I've seen a lot of, like, newer ones. And the only, like, horror anthology style movie that I can remember is the style where you do like you have multiple stories going on within the same story, but then they kind of collide together, kind of like how uh, Trick or Treat was. Well, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, there's quite a few anthology movies. There's Trick or Treat. There's all the VHS movies. Yeah, um, those are kind of anthology movies. Yeah, yeah, um, th- those ones would count too. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yes. So I mean, they don't really. I mean, they don't do it a lot, but I think anthology movies are kind of hard to do. It's actually when I first <clears throat> when I first started writing, I found out that like papers or anything, fiction, anything that I've had ever had to write, I found it it's actually harder to be to 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 go shorter than it is to go longer. Yeah, it's really hard to write a, a, a succinct short story. Like, I feel like a novel would be way easier to write than a short story would be um, because you have to, like, get everything in and it can't be any longer than a certain length. Um, Stephen King is a master of the short story. 
Um, and he wrote uh, most of these. I think three of these were based on his short story. The only thing he's not a master of, okay, is um, getting attacked by a meter and turning into a swamp creature. Oh man, yeah, I know you weren't a huge fan of his. Uh, <clears throat> oh wait till we get. Oh wait till we get there. Like I cannot believe my. <laughs> okay, listen, I'm gonna tell everybody this, right? I don't think I've ever seen this creep show before. I mean, yeah, creep. Show. I know what creep show is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I know that there's you know a creep show has a long history, which we'll talk a little bit about when we come to the uh, who booked this shit segment. But, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, I'm pretty, you know, I know Creepshow, you know, George Nicotero, you know, he works on The Walking Dead. They kind of yeah. brought the Creepshow back. I've watched a couple seasons on AMC and stuff. And I've seen Creepshow, I believe it's two. But I was watching this shit. And I was like, you know what? Like, like we got like Tom, Anka, he just randomly shows up. I was like, well, I don't think I've ever seen any of this shit. And then next thing I know, I see the fucking <laughs> hillbilly guy from Men in Black. Okay. It's fucking Stephen King. I was like, why could my eyes were black? I was like, what is going on here? I'm like, this guy is like like the most famous horror writer out there. And he's acting like a dumb hillbilly on here. I was like, what is going on here, man? Like, I just could not believe it. My mind was blown. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little, a little bit more. Who booked, booked that shit? Kid. That's what I want to know. Yeah, but... um. Yeah, so if I had not if I had known you had not ever seen this movie, I yeah. would have probably warned you about that segment. But it's kind of funnier that you saw it, you went in cold. So yeah, like I um, the only thing I got spoiled to me to me was I, like, when I was looking at some of the I don't even say it was a preview because I try not it's a movie that I haven't seen what I do for this podcast. I don't even watch the preview, but sometimes right. like <laughs> I like to look at the release date because we have like extra stuff to talk about. And I figured yeah. out I had the guy from Nick again in here. Was it Neil? Neil What's his name? Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. I was like, okay, that could be fun. We've seen him in a horror movie before that we did on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was was it Prom Night? Which one was he in? I was thinking it was Prom Night. Yeah, so it probably. Is. Yeah, it's probably Prom Night. And like we saw him in a serious role. And brother, I could not believe my eyes when I watched his scene too. I was like, what? It, this movie blew my mind, okay? Like, if you see these guys okay. and, like, other stuff and you just watch this for the first time, your mind is blown. And I and I, I have a lot to talk about when we get to that scene, too. But, uh, but yeah, this one, well, it's, it's fun. I liked it. I liked the movie. It's pretty fun. Yeah, the thing about Leslie Nielsen is he was really, I mean, to me, he's a, com- he's a comedy actor because I first saw him in comedies. Yeah. But to most people during... Um, most of his career, he was known as a very serious actor, and he didn't do any comedy until 1980 when he did uh, when he was an airplane. Interesting. And he did prom night the same year. Yeah. Um, but then, um, so he was still probably, I guess, somewhat known as a serious actor when he did Creep Show in 1982. Yeah. You know, and then he would become uh, he would become <clears throat> a comedy guy after he did Naked Gun. There's actually a really funny um, and really interesting monologue that he did when he hosted Saturday Night Live where he talks about the difference between comedy acting and dramatic acting. And it's funny, but it's also really interesting because he says the same thing two different ways. Yeah. And and he's like talking about how, well, you know, the difference between drama, drama and comedy is you can say it this way. And then if you say it this way, then people laugh. Yeah. And he, he does the same line two different ways, and people laugh at the comedy way. 
it is it's really interesting um but yeah he um he's an incredible actor oh incredible um, man he, he was so he good in this movie the respect he deserves yeah bro he 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 saved this whole fucking movie at least to me he did wow okay. <clears throat> i thought i thought he was the best part of the whole movie well huh? i mean he was great he was great yeah. i mean i love this movie so um i think it's i mean we'll talk about it but i think it's really over the top but i think it was yeah. supposed to be i think it was supposed to be made that way yeah i mean i can kind of get what it was it was like you know like we're trying to you know we had this popular horror magazine you know creep show because that was a real magazine yeah. at the time and you know we got to make it into a movie so obviously we got to make it a little goofy a little over the top which is like that's kind of the creep show thing though like that is like their thing that's like the uh a lot of their stories even nowadays are like a little bit over the top that's just that's just the you know you know what you're getting in when you when you turn on the uh the movie so yeah but i, I don't think that creep show is a real comic at the time i think that it was based on uh tale like the tales from the crypt and the vault of horror comics from the 50s oh okay that stephen king would have liked um but um i thought it was a comic oh maybe we'll look um, into i could it. be wrong i could be wrong um but um <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll talk about it as we goes. I'll point out some things that um, obviously have to be uh, directorial choices, and it's directed by George Romero. Yeah, no, of all people, <laughs> of all people, like you know, like of all people, George George Romero directed this. The fucking um, zombie so it's king. Definitely, the shit. It's yeah, crazy. the zombie king. Definitely a departure for uh, everybody involved in this. Yeah. Um, very fascinating. But uh, how Holbrook looks like he's trying to to act like the most dramatic role in history in the middle <laughs> of all this like goofy bullshit that's going on around him. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um right before we get into it, um this this series, I believe it happened I don't know if I don't know if the series started in the eighties, but too bad. But like Tales from the Crypt, that was probably my favorite like anthology series out there. And my That's so a good one, yeah. Yeah, that one and then Channel Zero. I would say it's also another favorite one, but maybe we'll list. Well, we'll talk about that as the month goes on because there's really good. I know we talked about some movies, but there's really good like anthology style like TV shows that are really good. You know, so yeah, and I think we should. I was about to say, I think you're right. I think we should talk about those as we go. Yeah, like you know, like uh, like next week we'll bring up a one or two more. Yeah, yeah, um, maybe I'll talk yeah, about I'll some talk. of my favorite episodes from some. We'll, we'll, We'll do all that when we can, but let's let's get in. Let's get this show rolling. That's with some of our let's history segment because we have a lot to talk about when it comes to the world of the pro wrestling on this um, episode here. So the the movie this movie got released November twelfth, nineteen eighty two, and it's kind of cool because we don't really do like that many like nineteen eighty two movies. So I was like doing this era, mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, we're not going to really be talking too much about the uh, this era in pro wrestling because. This past week, we actually had uh, two um, tragic deaths in pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh, one being uh, Ole Anderson, which, I mean, we've talked about him many times on this podcast. And a very prominent figure, especially within the 80s wrestling, not only has a character, but also has a behind-the-scenes person as well, too. And, of course, the other one was uh, uh, Virgil. Aka Mike Jones, and uh, you know we talked about him a little bit, but his his main you know character in the uh, in the eighties was being uh, Ted DiBiase's manager slash servant guy, and of course his you know his big triumph was when he actually um, couldn't take 
Ted DiBiase anymore, and he uh, he beat them all up. Uh, but I just want to take a, a couple of moments talking about these two, mostly the Ole Anderson, because just this guy is very fascinating, like his background and everything, and, and what he's done for wrestling. Um, but being in one of the uh, the prominent tag teams of like the seventies, going on into the eighties, the the Anderson brothers. Do you, what do you know about the uh, the Andersons there, Allison? Um, what what I know about the Andersons is basically what uh, Arn talks about on his podcast. Yeah, talking about his history. But uh, yeah, so the Andersons, the original Andersons, were uh, Ole and Gene, right? Yes, the yeah, Minnesota Wrecking Crew. What's a great name? The, Minnesota, the original Minnesota Wrecking Crew. That is an amazing name for a tag team. Exactly. Um, but they uh, and uh, Ole was the original Rock. They remember the uh, Arn used to call him Rock all the time. Um, yeah. In the in the eighties, but yeah, so the Minnesota Wrecking Crew originally was Gene and Ole. And then I guess that broke up at some point in the 80s. And then they sent, when Arn went to Georgia, or back to Georgia, he was, from my understanding from the story that he said he told, was that he was sent to meet Ole uh, because he looked like he could be Ole's brother. Yes. <laughs> That's how they um, tagged because so, they looked alike. <laughs> right, right. So because they looked alike. So then they... Uh, because Arn Anderson basically looked like he was like in his forties when he was twenty years old. Yes, um, essentially. Um, so when he met Ole, Ole was like, "Oh yeah, you're an Anderson," and then they became the new Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Yeah, what which a great is the team. Minnesota Wrecking Crew that I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember him wrestling with Gene, but I do remember Ole and Arn as the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, you know they would be. You know, basically the Andersons, and they would always say that Ric Flair was like their their cousin at first. Like yep. before before Ric Flair and all of them joined the Four Horsemen, they always like had a relationship with Ric Flair. And then, of course, you know, then when they all got together, that's when they came the Four Horsemen later on in the eighties, like nineteen eighty eight and stuff like that. Um, yeah, because Oli Oli actually is from Minnesota, right? Yes, and so is Ric Flair. Yes, Arn is from Georgia. Yes. He's from Rome, Georgia, but um. Oh, uh, and but yeah, I noticed that the, on the day he died, um, Ric Flair tweeted about it and still called him his cousin. Like he's still yeah. like still keeping that, still uh, keeping it alive, brother. I like it. Yeah, keeping that work alive. Yeah. So you know, so you know, with his wrestling and stuff, obviously he's he's mostly known as a tag team style wrestler. Very very rugged style. What I mean by rugged is basically you're not going to go in there and have a bunch of holds. You're basically going to go in there and beat somebody up and you target, you know, because back in the day when we talk about these tag teams and stuff, especially like yeah. bigger tag teams and mean tag teams, like the Anderson brothers or the Minnesota Wrecking Crew was, their style basically was you get in there and you, you punch people and you go after a body part. Like you, you work on the leg, you work on the arm, you work on the head, the neck. That's what you do when you get in there. Um, you know, I think the, the, the tag team with Tolly and Arn is a little bit more well known. And I think people like that team a little bit more, but boy, like I saw some matches with this, with the Arn and, and Oli. And first of all, they do look exactly like brothers. Okay. That is number do, one. Yeah. So that's an easy gimmick to like do. And they were great together. I thought they were great. You know, Oli was more of a, uh, he didn't really do a whole lot, but he was more like the, the, the brawler style. Kind of like the little brawler, but then he would focus on a body part a lot. So, 
But, you know, besides his wrestling career, and also being a great talker, too. Like, that was also one of his uh, strong points as well, was being a great promo. And he w- he wasn't like the uh, the promo like you would get, like, some of these guys, like, shouting and stuff and saying brother, brother all the time. He'd be, like, more yeah. like a Jake Roberts-style promo. Very, like, um, very, like, soft, softer tone, but, like, to the point. And then you could tell that he would get, like, mad, like, he... He would kind of work his way up to the mad, being like mad, like calling people out and stuff. Like, you know, his promos were just really good about like telling, you know, saying how much of an asshole he was. And the reason was because he really was an asshole. Yes. Well, that's what everybody says. Yes. He was just kind of a dick and nobody really liked him um, for the most part. But um but yeah, he started off in the AWA. He was trained by Vern Gagne. Yeah. Um, but then uh, he would move on to Crockett in the 70s, I guess. And then um, it's, I'm a little bit confused about <clears throat> parts of his, his career because he ran, either booked or he owned Georgia Championship Wrestling, right? Okay, so here's here's the story. So it's a little convoluted, but basically this is what happened. Jim Barnett and the uh, the Briscoes all had, like, a stake in in Georgia Championship Wrestling. And basically, you know, like, when Vince was, like, you know, taking over and stuff, like, you know, they didn't want to sell to him. And basically, this is, like, the whole... We talked about a little bit before, but the Black Sunday thing happened. Yeah, Black Saturday. Black Saturday, yeah. And they they took the the time slot there, and then basically Jim Crockett had to come and buy it back all right, after a while, but then during all this stuff, like, like, they, uh, uh, they basically got rid of, uh, Jim Barnett, and the Briscoe show, like, sold their sh- shares, all right, and, the yeah, the rights to it and stuff, yeah, and, and, okay, so he was, basically, um, Ole was kind of like the booker, he was, like, the primary booker for that, okay. um, and, after that, uh, for a time, and then when all that kind of stuff happened, he stopped being the booking, and then he, and then when, and then when um, Crockett, you know, bought everything. Uh, basically, what happened was Oli, a short while he 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 left Crockett, and he started to do his own uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling on his own, like the like a. Uh, Championship wrestling okay. from Georgia. He did that. Um, and then after that, like, it, it basically didn't... But the Basically, what he was trying to do is when he was doing, like, his own territory, it was losing so much money, okay? Aha. Uh-huh. And so what he did was he didn't really book a lot of, like, top stars. He mostly did, like, middle, middle cards that way. And it did yeah. survive for a little bit, but then eventually it just couldn't you know, do anything else. So basically what he did was he just morphed Georgia Championship Wrestling with Crockett and that's, you know, part of the NWA and that just became basically like the whole uh, Mid-South. Okay, so that makes more sense now because I couldn't figure out why, if he was running his own territory, why he would or even how he could wrestle for Crockett as, you know, as a tag team and a tag team. But it was really because he just basically needed the money because his... His his company his territory at that time just wasn't making that much money I guess after Vince bought the original Georgia Championship Wrestling and I think Crockett eventually bought the company that 
or the territory that he ran. Well, I think you just said that. Yeah, he just wrote, he just bought yeah. the territory that he ran. Yeah, so basically it went down like this. So in July mm-hmm. 1984, Jack Briscoe and Jerry Briscoe and Jim Barnett sh- sold their shares of Georgia Championship Wrestling to Vince McMahon for that time slot, you know? Mm-hmm. So for like $9,000 to get basically get rid of it. And that was you know, what we talked about before here, Black Saturday, all right? The deal gave McMahon 90% stake in the promotion and control over the Georgia Championship Wrestling time slot, which is all Vince McMahon pretty much wanted anyway. He didn't really want Georgia Championship Wrestling. He just wanted the time slot. So he just bought, he basically became like the majority owner. All right. Yeah. And then what happened was, you know, like long story short, people in the South turned on wwf programming and they're like what the hell is this boring shit okay yeah so the ratings tanked wait i was gonna ask you about that really quick too like i don't want to make this like a a a two-hour show but we could just talk about this one subject just imagine that nowadays allison like that that is like crazy to like a new wrestling fan because that'd be like okay that'd be like if uh if the wwf bought uh uh, the turner's time slot you know what I mean? Off AW or whatever. And then they start airing, uh, you know, Wednesday nights, uh, uh, Nitro. Okay. WWF Wednesday night Nitro instead of Dynamite. Do you think people would like f- turn it off because they're not seeing AW? Uh, maybe. I mean, I see what you're trying. Yeah. I see the point you're trying to make, but it's such a different time. And those yeah. two products aren't that different. Yeah. I mean, they're drastically different. I mean, AEW is drastically different than WWE. Oh, there's a lot of stuff that's different. Yeah, I mean, they're drastically different, but they're not as different as WWE in 1984, or the F, WWF in 1984, and what you were getting with Georgia Championship Wrestling. Because you, it would be like going from... The difference would be like going from um, watching Dynamite on Wednesdays to watching the WWE cartoon from the 80s. It would be that different because, like, Georgia Championship Wrestling was, was you know, and what Crockett was doing was, like, hard-hitting. There was blood. It was, you know, it was just rough. It was just yeah. hard, realistic fight, what seemed like realistic fighting. Whereas then the next day, the next weekend, you got WWF's cartoon characters. Yeah. That would be a you know shock. What I mean? You so know what I mean? It, it would be shocking. Yeah, it would be shocking for these people to see this. Because, like, you know, at least now, like, if something, like, changes, you know, we'll know in, like, an instant. Boom. Like, back in yeah. the day, brother, unless you're maybe reading The Observer or something, and that didn't even come out until, like, at the first of the month, it would have been, like, mm-hmm. a totally shock for the for the audience that was following that particular wrestling. So uh, Yeah, and, and you got to realize, too, that most people in the South probably weren't reading The Observer. Yeah, um, I, I I don't know how many people were reading the Observer, the print version in the '80s, but most people in the South were because you got to consider that like in the '70s and the '80s, like in the South, wrestling was like serious. Yeah, like it was serious, serious business. Yeah. I mean, like when, like when my grandmother died, I mean, she thought that you know the moon landing was fake and wrestling was real. I mean, these people like took this to heart. Yeah, you know, there's a story about Ole getting stabbed in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, you know, like they, they, the, people could actually get hurt if they weren't careful, uh, in wrestling then. So like, yeah, going from like something that looked realistic to something that looked like a cartoon would have been like shocking to these people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all, if it just happened all of a sudden like that, 
But um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, Oli. So Oli moves into Crockett, and then he becomes. Well, you know, hold on. So here's half, how it. Well, basically, give it too far. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So basically, okay. what happens is right when uh, Oli resigns from then Georgia Championship mm-hmm. Wrestling, he then uh, joins forces with longtime NWA partner Fred Ward and Ralph Freed to start a new company called Championship Wrestling from Georgia. Oh, okay. Because members say, so, so like, you know, McMahon bought the Georgia Championship Wrestling time slot, basically, and he, and he yeah. named it World Championship Wrestling. All right, so the Georgia Championship Wrestling was something completely different. So what, mm-hmm. what the TBS president, Ted Turner, did, he granted uh, Championship Wrestling from Georgia the, the time slot of 7.30 a.m., on Saturday nice. morning time slot on TBS, which actually outperformed <laughs> World Championship Wrestling and television ratings. Okay. Wow. The six oh so the seven thirty AM time slot outperformed the six oh five PM. Yeah, so more more people were getting up at seven thirty in the morning to watch the show on a yeah. Saturday than watch the six o'clock show. I could dig it. That's crazy. I could dig I it. I can too. Maybe maybe uh collision should do that. You know what I mean? Fuck it, just Come get the shit out of yeah. yeah, seven thirty, get that shit out of the way. Yeah, it's not- like ring, like true Ring of Honor style. Remember when yeah. Ring of Honor would be on like at eleven o'clock at night or two o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah, like or the old ECW. <laughs> yeah, or the old ECW, and you watched it in the middle of the night. That's yeah. great. So, championship from Georgia promoted its first event in August 1984 and its final event in April 1985 when Anderson sold it to Jim Crockett. So basically, that's what he did. So after Georgia Championship Wrestling, basically, like I was saying before, you know, since he, you know, he didn't have that much money. And and yeah. the you know they they just they, they were at a loss. He started booking lesser talent. So then you know once he kind of saw the writing on the wall. So that's when he mo- merged it the company with um, Jim Crockett. And then of course you know the rest is history from there. And he basically would be a uh, a booker for the territory with Crockett as well. So not only did he did some wrestling with Crockett, but he also would be like a, he would help out with the booking as well. Same thing with Dusty. He would help out with the the booking as well. So, you know, that that's basically like his um is uh his 80s run. His 80s run would always be remembered for, you know, booking Georgia Championship Wrestling <clears throat> during its heyday and then, you know, everybody else selling to Vince McMahon, but him not wanting to sell to Vince McMahon, him trying to do his own thing, not working out, merged with the Crockett promotion and then became part of one of the most famous staples and probably the most famous wrestling staples in history, the four horsemen. So what a, what a decade this guy had. And then of course in the nineties, he would kind of like, I would say he was like fizzle out, but he wouldn't wrestle that much anymore. But then he'd be known for the booker who would book Allison's favorite, the black scorpion. Oh yeah. Black scorpion was, that's a classic man. You can't, uh, it's one of the greatest. Yes. He would voice the Black Scorpion, and he would book it. And, of course, he was also the the, the voice for the Shockmaster as well, too. So, you know, there you go. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. But, yeah, so he did stay active, even though he kind of... Yeah, behind the scenes, he was mostly... Yeah, uh, kind of burned a lot of his bridges. But, well, I mean, people just didn't. He was just... I think he was just kind of an unlikable person, much like myself. So I can probably relate to uh, to Oli a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, I was like... I. You know, if anybody's watching the basically, the, you know, you'll see it from the Four Horsemen like time period. Like, you know, he was definitely. I don't know if his Four Horsemen was the was everybody's favorite Four Horsemen, even though there were the original one, because basically he actually left the group 
um, after a while, that's when they brought in Lex Luger. I yeah. believe he basically only kind of wanted to wind himself down from pro wrestling and he wanted to start promoting his son more. Yeah. Right? But then, of course, he would come back and work a baby face against the Four Horsemen a little bit. And then he would join the Four Horsemen again in the 90s. That's when they would turn on Sting. And then he would just kind of yep. fizzle out from there. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely a, uh, a very interesting figure. If you guys never seen Ole Anderson, you like listen to our wrestling reviews. I definitely recommend checking out some of his stuff, especially if you all like the more the, like the hard hitting, you know, angry old guy, get off my lawn, you know, fucking this asshole dude. Cause he played the character there was no character. He's kind of like an Eddie Kicks. There, there, no, there was no yeah, character. That was him. <laughs> yeah, like I'm pretty sure that's that's just who he was. Yeah, exactly yeah. like Eddie Kingston. Like that's who Eddie Kingston is. Um, but yeah, like I love. I mean, that original version of the Four Horsemen it, is my favorite. Yeah, because that's just the first Four Horsemen I saw. But like I can just remember them like breaking Dusty's arm and like fuck. breaking Dusty's arm. Like yeah. I've talked about that with you, and yeah. I've taken you to the spot. We went to the spot where that happened. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. like I'm such yeah I'm such a nerd about that that I like showed you the video of it as we're driving down following the way that went but yeah uh, but yeah I just remember them doing um like Arn and Oli would do promos together and you know Arn would do his his promo and then he would just say like tell about it rock and then like Oli would just go straight into his promo it was it was amazing like I loved that shit like I was my mind was blown as a small child watching that. It was just, it was incredible. So there's something that um, I saw a little bit of it before and I thought it was awesome. It's because, because Ole Anderson and Dusty Rhodes actually had a very big, you know, blood feud when it comes to yeah. when they were wrestling in, I believe it was GC, um, the uh, uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. And there was like an angle that I thought was so creative when I heard about it. And I kind of want to go back and watch it, but it was basically like, you know, Ollie was kind of a bad guy, but then he would start to help out Dusty a lot. Like, he started, like, you know, being more of a good guy, helping out Dusty, um, you know, tagging with people that Dusty liked and everything. Mm-hmm. And then he got him out of a comfortable position one time, and then he turned on him. All right? And then he did this promo saying, yes, I was friends with this guy. I didn't like him at all. I was friends with this guy. I didn't like him at all. Either. He sucked, too. And I did it all just to beat you and, and do this to you. And I was <laughs> like, damn, this guy. It was like it was like basically yeah. like it's kind of like a, an '80s villain. He was telling his whole plan of how he tricked Dusty throughout this whole time. So, but yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. You gotta you know. explain it. Yeah, you gotta explain it to the people, like James Bond villain. Got to do it, brother. But but uh, rest easy there, Oli. You know this guy. Uh, you know, obviously he he's a little, little controversial figure um, when it comes to certain people. He kind of rubbed a bunch of people the old way, the wrong way, um, and. You know, like, but you got to see, like, this guy in the 80s, man. I mean, he was a very prominent figure, especially when it comes to wrestling, not only as an on-screen person, but as a uh, uh, as a booker as well, too. You know what I mean? He booked probably, like, a lot of great matches and feuds, so. Yeah, he's definitely one of the greats. W- w- whether people liked him or not, he was definitely one of the greats. Definitely. And, of course, we'll still talk about him here, here and there on the Retro Blood, but I just want to talk a little bit of him since he passed away, so. But Allison, I think we got some metal over here as well too. Um, this band's kind of interesting. I never heard of him before. We, me and you were kind of um, are both uh, first-time viewers of this band. Uh, Talas, a little bit called Talas. Talas, yeah. Talas, brother, sink your teeth into that. 
came out. It came out in 1982. It didn't really give me a release date, so we're just going to go for November. But I know you know a little bit about him. What, what did you know about him? Um, basically, Talist is like one of those... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're one of those bands that people in bands like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. they're, they're a band that other musicians like. Yeah. Um, so basically, Talist is probably most famous. They were in a Los Angeles band um very early hair metal i guess you could say but they were um around uh with racer x and that scene with paul gilbert and racer x but they were um known for being the band that billy sheehan was in before he joined david lee ross band after after david lee ross left van halen um, his solo band was uh, consisted of billy sheehan on bass and um steve Vai on guitar and I can't remember who the drummer was off the top of my head. Greg Bissonette, maybe. Anyway, can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, Billy Sheehan um, uh, left Talus to join David Lederoff's solo band, which basically doomed Talus. That was kind of the end of that for them. But uh, Billy Sheehan is one of the best bass players to ever live, especially in the hard rock and metal world. Yeah, uh, He's still playing bass to this day. He's still in bands. He's playing in the, a band called the Winery Dogs. Um, he's, he's doing a lot of stuff. Um, just incredibly, he's in Mr. Big, uh, with Paul Gilbert, uh, just an incredible bass player. Um, uh, Talus is like one of those, they're, they're really good. The little bit of Talus that I've heard, um, basically consists of, um, the song that they record. So David Lee Roth recorded a Talus song on his first solo album. And I'm trying to remember which one it was. Um, they actually, Talis actually got back together in 2022 and released an album after 37 years. Um, they got back together. Uh, their singer is, has passed away, but they used vocals that he had recorded before he died. And that came out a couple of years ago. Um, let's see. Yeah. So um, while you're doing that, I, when I'm looking up here, it looks like the drummer was Paul Verga. Of Talis. Of Talis, yes. Yeah. Yes, and then and who is the guitar player for Talos? Uh, the guitar player, let's see. Uh, guitarist is Dave Constantino. Yeah, 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 Dave Constantino. Yeah. yeah, so they were like a really talented, technically great band. Um, they were probably one of those bands that was like too talented for the mainstream, um, which is why they kind of were an underground band for a while. And then uh, Shy Boy, that's the name of the uh, Talus song. That, oh, yeah, that's uh, on this album, Shy Boy. Yeah, yeah, that's that Billy Sheehan wrote that. And that was a song that they recorded on David Lee Ross' Eat em and Smile album, which was like for his solo album. Um, but yeah, um, Talus is an incredible band. Yeah. I mean, and it's one of those bands that I like to talk about bands like that because it's a band that would be forgotten if people didn't continue to bring them up. So I want to be a voice that you know, that mentions these bands that people don't listen to much. Yeah, they're pretty good. Anymore. Like they, they do have the, uh, the sound kind of like the, kind of like the riot. All right. A little bit mm -hmm. like kind of like that. It's like a rock and roll, but you could tell there's a little bit of the hair metal in there too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Got a little bit of mixture, but you could tell like they're very solid, you know, very solid rock and roll band. Um, you can, you know, you could top, you can you know, put in the, the, the track into the, uh, the Trans Am. Get your hair down oh, yeah. a little bit, brother. Grab that Budweiser. You know what I mean? Get that Magnum yeah, TI uh, fucking <laughs> fucking stash. You know what I mean? With the fucking yeah, huge yeah. sunglasses. 
that take up half your face. You know what I'm talking about, everybody. Exactly. Oh, I know huh? exactly what you're talking about. A little bit. Uh, they're fanny they're a little bit Van Halen. They're a little bit Van Halen like. I mm-hmm. would say. Um, yeah, very Van Halen. Yeah. So, but they they got some good tracks on here. We'll probably place them at the end over here. Um, I like the their name. The the some of their their names are fun. High speed on ice. Okay. Oh wow. Never yeah. seen me cry. All right. Hit mm-hmm. and run. Okay. Outside looking in. I don't know why that one <laughs> cracked me up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I pretty the, the album cover looks badass too. It's like this like fucking. Um, uh, it's an AI image before AI images were um, formed. It's like kind of like yeah. a the uh, Medusa snake skull thing. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out what that is. That's a cool album cover, but it's probably mm. a sculpture. It's probably a photograph of a sculpture that they. It's like that an eighties moon in the background. But yeah, this yeah. is definitely an AI image before AI images were a thing. Yeah, as it was used to be known, actual art. Yes, exactly, actual art. <laughs> so, but everybody check it out, check it out. They, like like you are saying before, Alice, I like these bands were like, like your favorite bands like these bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, because they take a lot of inspiration by some of these maybe like not well-known bands, but you know, there's some of these good bands out there that nobody's heard about and they sound great, fantastic. So, but this band, unfortunately, they only, they only last for a little bit. Looks like they actually disbanded in the eighties too, like nineteen eighty eight. Looks like when they disbanded. So, yeah, like I was saying, after Billy Sheehan left, it, they just kind of gradually went downhill for sure. Yeah, yeah. But everybody, we'll place them at the end of the, of the show. But let's keep this train moving, brother, because let's talk about who booked, who this, booked shit. this shit. Fuck, <laughs> bro. This is like this is a weird movie because it was booked by George A. Romero. Oh, he directed the shit. It, it was, and This yes. shit was written by Stephen King. All right? Making his film, making his screenwriting debut. Yep. And I was like... Also his acting debut, uh, I believe. What? Did he book it? Did he write himself to act like that? <laughs> he did. Um, so actually, um, I believe, so in the making of that's on the Blu-ray, um, I'm pretty sure that Tom Atkins yeah I believe Tom Atkins said that he wanted to play that role that either Tom Atkins or Hal Holbrook said that he wanted to play that role and um and they said well we've already got that promise Stephen Stephen wants to play that role himself so yeah Stephen King booked himself in that role he wrote that for himself to play and he 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 did it on purpose. He wanted he wanted it to be that way. Like he he did that on purpose. So yes, he I got a question himself. for you. I got a question for you. Is this his yeah. like? So you said this was his acting debut. I believe it is. Yes. Did he ever act after this? Um, because boy, it was rough. <laughs> he had he was in Pet Cemetery. He played the priest in Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah, like a small role. Yeah. A very small role, but um, no, but no, he never had a role. I don't know that he ever had a role this big again. Um, but I think that he wanted it to be silly. He wanted it to be funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he was in. Uh, um, 
Yeah, he had a bunch of small roles. He's he's kind of like uh, what's his name, Alfred Hitchcock. Like he's in he's in he has a small role in a lot of his movies. But this is the only one that I can think of where he's like thing. really, yeah, where he's like the star. And um, there's good reason for that, as you as the when the people watch it, they will uh, they will see. But I mean, I think that he's basically just channeling uh, Jethro from the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, like this is what. Stephen King thinks that a backwoods hillbilly is like Jethro from the Beverly Hillbillies. Well, you know, that's probably where he was going throughout the time, but what he reminded me of is, remember the first Men in Black? Yeah. Where he had like, a hillbilly dude that got the fucking alien stuck in his head or whatever? I mean, they act yeah. like just, just exactly alike. So I'm guessing... Well, that's true. That's whoever true. wrote and Men in Black were like, you know what, this, this fucking Stephen King... Played the perfect hillbilly, brother. Let's put it in the movie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he did. But That's just, exactly what hillbillies are like. So a couple little things. Um, you were right, though. Like I was wrong. This creep show was not a real comic book. I thought it was. But it was supposed to pay homage to the ones that you were talking about from the 50s. Mm-hmm. Tales from the Crypt, The Vault of Horror, and The Haunt of Fear. I don't know why I thought it was yeah. actual. Well, I think later on it could probably became a comic book, but at this time it wasn't. It was just playing homage to him. So in order to, uh, to for the film to give viewers the comic book feel, Romero hired, hired long-time effects specialist Tom Savini to replicate yes. comic-like effects. Comic-like so. effects. Yes. All right. Um, I thought Savini did really well with the bugs. Yeah, the bugs were good, and I'm pretty yeah. sure he did the uh, the 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 dead old angry cake guy. That one was good. Oh too. yeah, that looked great too. Yeah, yeah, that looked great as well. So, you know, there's there's five stories in here, okay, mm-hmm. and we're gonna talk about all five, and then we're gonna rate. All five. I'm gonna give my top five that I liked, and Allison, you can give your top five. We might be uh, on the same. Um, we might have the same list, but that'd be fun at the end to see. Uh, to Maybe. See so we're just gonna rank top. them in order that we we like them. Yes. Yeah. Like which one we yeah. like the fr- okay. which one we like the best, which one we like the the least. So, okay. so so it had Father's Day, okay, which is the yeah. the first one, the lonesome death of Jordy Verl. Based on King's short story, Weeds. All right. Mm-hmm. Something to tie you over. The crate. And they're creeping the up on you. So the two of these stories were adapted from King's short stories with the film booked in by prologue. Uh, uh, you know, they it had a uh, beginning and ending scenes. That's where we see Tom Ankins with the young boy and stuff. Um, mm. So that's pretty fun. So the uh, I was about to say, the young boy is played by Joe Hill. Who is Stephen King's son? Oh, okay. They're all over this shit. Huh? Who is, yeah, who is a he's a he's a successful successful author now. Um, he he writes he like he writes some really good horror stories now. But yeah, this was uh this was him playing uh the son of Tom Atkins in Creepshow. But when I saw him on here, I was like, yes. And then like he barely did anything. It's like, damn it. <laughs> And I think this is like yeah, the, okay, yeah. and also too, I don't know if this is like rarity, but this is like the first movie I've seen him in where he wasn't a a uh, a sex idol. Like all these fucking movies, I see Tom Hankins um, and he's like a sex idol in the eighties. I mean, yeah, like in Halloween three, yeah, like Halloween three, he's just trying to bang everybody. All right. 
Yeah, um, he was in this, um, according to the documentary, he was in this because he knew George Romero. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, that's he cool. kind of did it as a favor. Yeah. So, in keeping with Romero's tradition of filming in and around the Pittsburgh area, most of the film was shot in an empty all-girls school located outside Greensboro, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. The school, the school was converted into a film studio, and the episodes for The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill and They're Creeping Up on You, as well as the beginning and the ending, were filmed in their entirety at the, at the former school. Filming took place in Greensburg location throughout 1981. Yeah, so basically, um, it was all shot inside a, a gym. So every interior scene that you see... Um, was shot inside that gym as, as far as I understand. So like in the, um, like in the, the apartment scenes, um, all the, in, in the, in the house scenes that was all built inside a gym for the, that this girl's school had. That's cool. Um, and then, so Creepshow was actually given a four week, a four week test release in Boston during July 1982 to get the sense of how the movie would do. And it got highly successful. Warren Brothers knew they had a hit on their hands, so they made a worldwide release on November uh, 12th, 1982. And its opening weekend, Crip Show grossed over $5 million. So, not too bad, man. But, yeah, but definitely, not too bad. Yeah, definitely a, a big old hit there. And of course, you know, after this movie, we'd, we would have many stuff from Creepshow. I mean, we have a sequel that we're actually going to be uh, doing uh, next week here on the Retro Blood. And then, of course, yep. we have the uh, the the uh, the kind of like the, the rebirth of Creepshow. If you all go to Shudder, and they actually have a, a TV show out there now. And I believe that might even be on their fourth season by now. Yeah, I feel like the TV show, uh, there's actually a Creepshow 3, but I've never seen it. It came out in That's the 2000s, right. I think. Three, yes, yes. Uh, I've never is, seen yes. that, but um, n- nobody involved in the original had anything to do with this, the third one. But I feel like the Creepshow TV show has the same kind of feel as this movie. Does. Yes. Yo, yeah, because um, yeah, I mean they 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 have they do the same kind of things when it comes to like the um, when when we're transitioning from story to story, we have those little you know we show like little comic book scenes or we transition them into like comic books. And then we kind of trend mm-hmm. like we're turning the page on the on the comic books. Uh, that's how the movie feels, and that's how the TV show does it as well too. So the TV show, how it's formatted. Have you ever seen any episodes, Allison, or no? Yeah, I've seen some from the first season. I'm really uh-huh. bad at watching TV shows. I get way behind on them. I gotcha. So like basically, how the TV show? I, I, I watched like the first two seasons. I'm kind of behind on uh, on the, the newer creep show. But basically, what mm-hmm. it is, it's like uh, on. On one episode, it's about like forty-five minutes, and there's about two stories per episode, and it's filmed like yeah. that, where you got the little opening scene with like the creep ghost, and he kind of like takes you into the the actual comic book, and then you kind of go from page to page, and then when you, then we end with some sort of shocker, that's when we transition it into the animated comic book scene, then we go on to the next story. So, but it's not bad. I like it. There's not not episode, you know, it's fantastic, but it's you know very. Very similar to how this this movie's uh, flow is yes. on there, and they actually have a pretty cool uh, Christmas special too. So everybody, I'll check that out there. But uh, 
but yeah, I mean, pretty, uh, pretty, it's pretty remarkable, like, seeing, like, the talent that's, like, associated with this film that we talked about. I mean, we got, like, George A. Romero here, we got Stephen King writing everything mm-hmm. here, I mean, we got fucking, uh, 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 Fritz Weaver over here acting crazy like we talked about. Uh, Leslie Nielsen on here. Tom Savini. Yeah, Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Tom Savini's in it. Yeah, Ted yeah. Danson. Hal Holbrook. I mean, that guy's a real actor. You know, yeah. like this was not like Ted Danson was kind of starting his career around this time. He wasn't in Cheers yet. Cheers would come out in the fall. Actually, I guess if this movie came out in November, Cheers would come out in the fall of 1982. So. People might know who he was from being on that TV show, but this was filmed a year before he was in Cheers. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, um, before we get into the movie, do you have anything else for the DVD or anything that you wanted to say? Uh, no, I mean, basically, um, I mean, there was nothing weird and controversial about it other than Stephen King um, insisting on playing the Jodie Verrill part. Um but yeah, that's about. I mean, we've covered all the interesting, all the you know, all the weird and interesting stuff that I that I knew about the making of this. But basically, they just wanted it to look like a comic book, and they, that's why they gave it all those like weird, like not weird, but like um, really bright red and purple lights yeah. in the in the in the in the episodes like that would so it would look kind of like garish, like a comic book would look. Um, but yeah, that was the, that's the, we covered most of the, uh, making of, um, of that, I, I believe. Yeah. So before we get into me, I thought this was really cool just cause I'm a big fan of this, uh, this place. So on, on, and I'm super mad that I missed this. So on, on August 3rd, 2019, Universal Destinations and Experience announced that Creep Show would be coming to Halloween Horror Nights exclusively at the Universal Studio mm. Hollywood theme park. The maze featured three segments from the 1982 movie, as well as two others from the newly made web television uh, show on Shudder. Damn it! That'd have been fucking awesome, bro. Oh, that would have been that would have been really awesome. Oh, they should have kept that house. I would have been like, I wonder which one they would have. I'm guessing if just by scenery purpose, you could probably do the bug one and then maybe the crate. That's the ones I the think crate would have been easy. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. The crate like, been easy. Now, uh, yeah, but uh. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Like I like how Halloween Horror Nights does that like homage to some 80s movies here and there. So that's pretty sweet. But everybody, let's get on to this. Let's get in on to the first creep show, 1982. Let's do it. Let's do it. Coming soon. Jolting Tales of Horror. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids. And shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Verrill. Creepshow will grab you, grow on you, 
and give you the creeps. No, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep Show, the most fun you'll ever have being scared. All right, so we're starting it off, um, and like right away, like I thought they were like spoofing Halloween because we got like the house with the little pumpkin thing on there. Yeah, and yeah. He, and he basically just hear Tom Atkins yell at his this kid. And he's basically yelling at his like son for his son loving comic books. Yeah, and, like reading comic Horror books, comic they're gonna write in your brain and stuff. And he's basically just being an asshole. All right, but then like it's weird because I think they were trying to like. It, it it seemed like it was like a like a like a Halloween backstory for a little bit, you know. <laughs> okay. That's well, you know, remember it, right. it kind of remind me, you know, you know how like in that Rob Zombie Halloween movie we had like the the kind of like the backstory of Michael Myers that not a lot of people liked, but I thought it was fine. You know, like we had yeah, the abuse yeah. of dad and everything, and everybody was a fucking asshole. That's where the guy came in there and killed his dad. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. just saying, Creepshow might have done it first. So they did. They definitely did it first. So, and that's when the creep guy shows up, and he smiles, and the kid smiles, and that's when we get our first story, which is the uh, the the cake man himself. Um, what's it called? The Father's Day. Okay. Yeah. Um, I really like the animated intro. The oh animated yeah, yeah. Credits. Definitely. That so. was awesome. Yeah. 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 They have a lot of cool like animated like scenes throughout this movie. That made it like super cool. Um, so this one, this this story is basically about there's the, this whole family. They're kind of like sitting around at their their house and stuff, and they're talking about their I think it was like their their grandpa and stuff died, and they're basically sitting there and they're kind of waiting for the uh, the 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 it's either the sister or like the grandmother. They're waiting for somebody to this older lady come in there. To tell yeah, them about the, the will. sister. The sister, she's the that's older sister. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the older sister. She, they're waiting for her to get there so they can like let her everybody know about the will that the uh, the old man had for everybody. And um, this is when we see the uh, uh, this guy. The, so we have. The, the sister, she was an older lady. I could barely understand anything that she was saying. She talked so fucking fast. Okay. And we had the, uh, we had, uh, I believe his name was Hank. Okay. And mm. he was played by Ed Harris. Do you know who Ed Harris is by chance? Of course. Yeah. Ed Harris is a very famous actor yes. now. It wasn't so famous then, but yeah, yes. he was a, a very, very famous actor. Like, I know he was on Apollo 13 and all that stuff, but I, I was looking yeah. at this guy and I was like, Okay, I know he was from that movie. I know. And then I was like, do my research. I was like, no shit. That's the fucking guy from Westworld. He was like yep. the fucking William, the black, you know, the guy with the black hat and shit. I was like, fuck, bro. What he look? I was like, man, you know what? This guy, he aged pretty well. You know what I mean? You can kind of tell, still tell all his features and everything. He doesn't. I was like, that's pretty cool. i never seen him yeah, younger he's been in before. a bunch of movies. Yeah, he was in Apollo 13. He was in The Abyss. He was yeah. in... Um... Uh, Truman Show, a uh, bunch of stuff. Great yeah, actor. and he he's married to Cass, which is the uh, the daughter of the younger sister. And yeah. then they also have the brother, 
all right there too um and he the the brother was all like saying how basically what happened was with the older sister all right she the 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 her husband died and they think it wasn't really an accident it was actually the uh, the dad who killed her her uh, the older guy i think the guy's name is peter all right and he, then he said like basically the other person she went crazy after a while and she killed them with this ashtray that's like a metal style ashtray yeah and then we kind of get like flashbacks about what happened because this is when we see the younger sister she's like crying and going to the grave of her dad because it's on father's day i guess they all meet every father's day or something and we get this huge flashback of this fucking old guy just going crazy like it's Father's Day. I want my cake. Where's my cake? Where's my cake? And he just kept saying over and over and over again. And this girl's like, she's like freaking out. There's like a maid there. She's freaking out too. And eventually she couldn't handle that much anymore. So she whacked his ass down with the fucking tray. All right. Mm-hmm. And she basically killed him. Now, how did she get away with this murder? I have no idea. We didn't really get that explained. All right. He just died and. You know, she was crying about it. And then she was just like, everything was cool until you, like, you killed Peter and stuff. And she's like, I'm not going to give you a cake. You don't deserve a cake. All right. And the next thing I know, he comes out of the grave. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently they, well, one thing you didn't mention is they apparently buried him in the yard of the house. Yes, that's right. (laughs) So he's not in a cemetery. Maybe that's why they got, yes. In the yard. So, you know, in this universe, we could just bury people yeah. in the yard and still get their will. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Well, I mean, if you can do that, I mean, you can bury someone yeah, anywhere you like, want to. But, but then but. Like, you're still going to have the cops be like, well, how did he die? Well, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't this ashtray that was right here that we still have. It certainly was not this ashtray with blood <laughs> on it. <laughs> so he comes out like, okay, so I'm not sure how long he's been dead for. Like maybe a year, I guess. No, he's been dead a long time. Oh, it's been a while? Okay. Well, no, not necessarily. My, my understanding was that he was... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because um, they they make it sound like it's been many, many years. Yeah. Because they say that she shows up at exactly the same time every year. Okay. Remember where they're saying that, um, and then they hear a car pull up, and they're yeah. saying that she shows up. You can set your watch by it. She shows up exactly the same time every year. Um, I don't think they're waiting on the will. I think they just meet every every Father's Day. Oh, okay. Because, like I said, um, I don't know where they found this fucking sister, like the like the mom to everybody. I could not understand what she was saying. I thought they were there yeah. to get some will or something. But I guess maybe they're just there to meet her to like yeah, doctor or something I, I think they meet up every father's day yeah um at, at his house um but um she was played by vivica linfors who was like an old an old actress like she was like an actress in like the 40s yeah um and they brought her out of basically retirement to play this role and apparently um because she smokes a cigar through the entire movie, and that was like something she insisted upon. Well, yeah, man, her fucking voice is so deep. Hey, brother. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, like, uh, so 
also too like i guess the dad was like cut calling the other girl a bitch as well too a lot too yeah because she's like i'm not no bitch and then he brought, gets out of the grave and he captures her all right so now we got uh we got uh hank and cass they're like dancing and stuff and mm-hmm. They're like they're just they don't know where the girl is at. Like uh, the the sister was named uh, Sylvia. They don't know where Sylvia is at. She's like, you know, missing and stuff. So, so uh, Hank goes out there to kind of like look around for him and stuff, and he notices like there's like a like the grave right there. Like it was kind of like yeah. messed up a little bit. So he goes near there and he finds like the liquor bottle that she was drinking, and then something pushes him down. And then when he notices, he's, he the, he notices that Sylvia's body falls right onto him. And Allison, did you know this? And everybody, that when you're an angry, rich old guy who wants his cake, and you turn into a flesh-eating zombie, that you now have Jedi powers because you can manipulate the tombstone that you came out of to to fall on somebody's head from a mile away. Well, yeah, you might as well. You might yeah. as well be able to do that because you can do that because that's what I mean, he did. Yeah, if you can defeat death, you can pretty much do anything you want. Yeah. So he used his Jedi powers to uh, uh, push the the tombstone Mm. on top of Hank's head, and there he goes. And then now Cass and the brother and and, uh, the mom are all like, you know, they don't know where Hank is. The brother said he doesn't like Hank. He doesn't care. And then eventually the mom says, I'll go look for him. He was a cute. So the mom goes, looks for him. She goes into the kitchen. She notices all this stuff is cooking in the kitchen. And then next thing you know, she turns around. See, she's the maid right there. And she's all like freaking out. And then we can see that the dead zombie old man is in the house. So now, you know, now um, Cass and the brother, like they don't know where the mom or anybody is at. So they go into the kitchen and then out pops the fucking dad with his daughter's head on a plate. I yep. believe it was the uh, uh, Belinda. That's the uh, the the one that we're talking about with the, the smoking. He, he, he's on there, and he's like, "I now have my cake." And then we end it. Yeah, they should have gave him his cake when he wanted it. Exactly. All this guy wanted was some cake, brother. That's all he needed. Yeah. All right. That's all he wanted. They had to kill him with an ashtray. All right. So that this one was okay. It was, uh, besides me not really understanding what anybody was saying because they talked a thousand miles an hour, it was, uh, I, didn't, I thought it was pretty good. So, so next up, so remember that's everybody, that's number one. Okay, so that's next one. Next up, we have the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. Oh, God. Oh, so, the first scene, I was like, okay, Men in Black totally ripped us off because we have a meter fall, we had this dumb hillbilly guy finding this meter. And I was looking at him, I was like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I, I, I like literally paused it. I was like, that guy looks fucking familiar. What is it? The next I know. So, like, oh, so going, you didn't even know that was Steve, that was going to be Stephen King in that part? No, no. Until you watched it? Until oh, I watched wow, it, okay. I was like, oh, actually, I hear what I did. I, I know what I did now. So I, I had to rent this shit off Amazon Prime. All right? Yeah. Um. So, like, I paused it. And then, like, the cool thing you can do on Prime is, like, sometimes when you pause it, it will let you know who's acting in the scene. And I paused yeah. it, and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, 
That must have been amazing. And like, the I, only thing, the I only, love to have seen your face when that happened. The only thing I could think about when I was watching this shit was, first of all, it reminded me of Men in Black, like the stupid fucking hillbilly guy from Men in Black. And then I was just like, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me that the all-star king of horror writing himself, Stephen King, who's been... Yep. Fucking, this guy has made so many stories in horror, it's not even funny. I mean, like, Silver yep. Bullet, you know, thousand stories were ripped off from Stephen King to turn into... I mean, this guy's like a fucking horror legend. And you're telling yes. me he's playing a dumb, very bad-acted redneck? <laughs> what is going on here, brother? Is this a rib? <laughs> All right. It, I think it is a rib. Is this, I mean, he intended for this to be a comedy. Like, it's supposed to be funny. Oh, fuck, it was bad. <laughs> I'm um, sorry, it was bad. I, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was funny. Like I, I laugh. Like when they're talking about the when he when he tries to go sell the uh meteor to the department of meteors at the college. Yes. I mean, that shit's just fucking funny. So anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so he has these fantasies <laughs> about him selling this meter. <laughs> and the guy he wants two hundred dollars, but the guy wants to give him seventy five dollars. He wants yeah. to give him seventy five. Right. And he is all like, Well, maybe I can uh maybe I can pay off the bank loan. That I have on this farm, the the two hundred dollar um, bank loan. <laughs> I got, I, I, I got. Well, maybe I was it more than two hundred bucks. It was something. Okay. Uh, no, it was two hundred dollars. Like that's what he says he wants, and the guy only wants to give him fifty. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want two hundred dollars. So he wants, to and he's the- like, I'll give you seventy five. So, but this is all like it's in his head though. Like he he just making the yes. deals in his head. Yeah, um, he never leaves his house. Yeah, the whole, leave it, the whole yes. episode. He's the only actor other than the. Department of Meteor scene. He's the only actor in this entire thing. Yeah. So he's he's like, okay, well, I need to pour some water on this because it's too hot to put in the bucket. <laughs> so he pours water on it. All right. And then he can kind of notice that his finger has a little, like, uh, you know, when you, you burn your finger, you get like little pus come out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He has that on his finger too. So he pours the water on the meter and it splits open and it's like this blue liquid and he thinks he fucks up. And then he yeah, did. that's what he. Yeah, yeah. Like he has that whole like, oh, tarnation or whatever yeah. he says. He calls himself a lunkhead or whatever. Like he's yeah. just like a, I don't know, like the most like. I mean, he's basic. Like I said earlier, he's basically just Jethro from the Beverly Hillbillies. Yes. So he thinks he's all fucked up. Now he has to like, he goes, he thinks in his head, okay, or what I can do to 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 get this better and maybe they're not going to take as much money for it but maybe they'll at least take something yeah and then i could not believe my eyes when i saw this as well too okay he goes back into his house and we have wwf wrestling on from madison square garden we have the champion bob backland versus sika sika from the wild simones classic Madison Square Garden with Vixen Man's voice all over this shit. I was like, what yep. is going? And like, it's like the whole match, the whole commentary match, okay, of Vixen Man saying all these words and stuff. I was like, what is going on here? Okay, and he's like watching and stuff. And there's two things going through my head at this particular moment. Yeah. First was, I can't believe, like, that's super cool that this horror movie that's going to be watched by millions of people is going to have this really cool like Madison Square Garden match between of all people Bob Backlund and mm-hmm. Seeker. Well, he was a champion. Yeah, at the time, yeah. And we're going to hear and then and another my thought was, boy, we have Vince McMahon's voice going on. That's not going to fly in uh, <laughs> nowadays. 
Uh, no, that's why I wanted a physical copy yeah. of this so they can't take it away from me. Yeah. They can't overdub you know, Triple yeah. H's voice whatever <laughs> exactly. over a new version of the movie. And then I was thinking, wait a minute, like this is good and bad for wrestling. It's good because it's like I think wrestling fans would be like, oh shit, like, you know, I, I kinda like seeing like, you know, wrestling stuff in movies. But then again, yeah. like it also shows like, oh, only dumb hillbilly rednecks exactly. watch wrestling in their fucking dumb cabin and shit. Like, so yeah, like I said, only was, dumb. Yeah. I was going to say only dumb rednecks like us watch wrestling, right? Yeah. Does that mean we're, does that mean we're uh, fucking uh, Jordy over here, brother? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I know I'm a dumb redneck. I don't know about you. I mean, you're from Texas, so you could qualify as well. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, I mean, th- yeah, and and it is a little bit offensive in that way, because you can tell that they picked wrestling because they wanted, you know, Jordy to be a dumb redneck. Yeah, and then and they, dumb they, rednecks watch wrestling. Yeah, but they picked the wrong one too. They picked WWF. I mean, come on, put some. Uh, come on, we got We just talked about Georgia Championship Wrestling. Put some of that shit on there. Yeah, put some of that shit on. But I mean, they were all from up north. I mean, they were filming yeah. this in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so they were watching WWF. And I do like it too. Like, there. just as a wrestling fan, like there was one scene where like Bob Beckham did a pile driver, and McMahon doesn't even like call the moves. He's like, "Oh, look at that! <laughs> <laughs> it's over now." Yeah, it's over now. Well, okay. <laughs> So now, like he now, our boy Jordy, he's noticing that every all like some shit is like growing green, and he thinks he kind of mm-hmm. fucked up a little bit. Uh, so now he wakes up, all right, and he has more green on him. Like he's starting to grow like a little green all over his face and stuff. And mm-hmm. there's like a TV on with this old lady in the background talk about like plants and stuff in the background, and uh, uh, and. Uh, so now he, 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 I don't know. Jordy is like, this is crazy. He thinks that he fucked up everything. So he keeps saying, no, 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 no. This can't be happening. All this green is everywhere. He tries to drink something. All right. And, um, and everything just starts, well, he starts growing. itching too. Yeah. So yeah, he itching starts itching and everything. And starts then he growing. notices all this, all these plants are growing all over his house. Yeah. So the funniest, the only part I laughed during this is when he ran into the bathroom and he took off his pants. He looked down. I was like, "Oh no, not there!" I like that. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> that was the only funny humor. Part. Oh, you know, speaking of he, he wasn't all alone. Remember, we had his uh, dead ghost dad. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah so there was up. one other actor in this. Yeah. And he's basically dead. The dead ghost dad was saying, "Hey, you better not jump into that tub, or else you'll really regret it." All right. So what does he do immediately? <laughs> First it was all like, "Oh, I thought you died a little while ago." Interesting. All right. He says, "You don't, you don't go in there. Don't jump in that tub, or else you're definitely gonna regret it in the morning time." And he's like, "Okay." Mm-hmm. Well, he jumps in the tub anyway because he can't handle it. Yep. All right. And then the next morning we get this newscast about this, uh, like this farmer newscast, and we see that everything is basically green. Like everything is all. Just green leaves, weeds everywhere. And our boy Jordy has turned into a weed Sasquatch monster creature. All right. And he can't take it, so he uh, he can't take his form, so he shoots himself. 
All right. Yep, blows his brains out with a shotgun. With a shotgun. And next thing we know, we get a forecast saying it's going to rain all over Castle Rock. And it's going to make this place look all green. So I guess we're led to believe that when it rains, the whole weed virus is going to spread throughout the whole town. Yeah, and that was really cool. That might be the first time on film that the term the word that the term Castle Rock was used. Yes. So Castle Rock um, is a Stephen King invented town, essentially, um, and uh, he uses it in a lot of his, you know, one of his stories. So this might be the first time that we've talked about that they, that Castle Rock was talked about in a movie. Even though he used it in his books a lot. Yes. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, uh, But yeah, then we go from there. I kind of like the ending a little bit because it has like a like a little deeper, creepier, creepier meaning. Um, yeah, it, like it starts, <clears throat> it's weird because it starts off like so goofy and funny and it has this really dark ending. Yeah. So very interesting there. So our third story. Okay, something to tide you over, brother. Okay, yeah. this one was pretty intense. Hide. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we, we, we start off the story with Harry. He's sleeping at his yes. little house. And then he gets visited yeah. by this guy named Richard. All right? And at yes. first, Harry doesn't want to let him in. But Richard's like, you're going to have to let me in. I know where Becky is. And the basically what's going on is uh, Becky and Richard were married. But Harry slooped up in there and started to bang her out. All right? Yep. And he and then Richard found out, and now he's pissed. And Harry's like, "Well, we we're gonna tell you and stuff. She just doesn't want to handle you anymore." And he's like, "You probably didn't even like her anyway." And Richard's like, "Listen, that's not the point. She is my property, all right? Yes. And I don't want to lose my property." And I was like, "Oh shit!" So basically, our boy uh, Richard, he's paid by the uh, Lisa Nielsen, and this guy was uh, he did a pretty good job of paying, playing like the uh, the like the crazy. You know, asshole dude. Like, I thought he did a really good job in this film. Mm, um, I agree. So, basically, he's like, listen, you're going to have to come with me and if you want to see uh, uh, Becky, because I have her. All right? And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, yes, yeah, so we have to go. We're going to go visit Becky. You know, I'll take you to her and stuff. She's with me. Okay. And he, he at first is like the Harry doesn't believe her. Then he plays recording, and it actually is Becky saying, "Help me, help me! I need your help." And, and then Harry's like, "What the fuck, man? What the you know? What are you doing here, Richard?" And then they eventually go. He like takes him with him to his uh, his beach house. All right, his mm-hmm. beach. So apparently, our boy Richard owns his own beach. All right. Well, yeah, he's a millionaire. He's yeah. a multi-millionaire. Pleasant Clove. Uh huh, brother. Mm-hmm. All right, so now they, uh, uh, <clears throat> so now he takes him on the beach, and now he's like, "Okay, follow me over here. I'm gonna take you to her." And they're going through all throughout. They're all like on the actual beach right now. I'll take him all throughout the beach, and they go to where the where the water's at, and they see a little hole there. He's like, "Hey, she's in that hole there." It's like, "What the hell's like?" You know, Harry's like getting pissed. Like, "What the hell? Are these tricks you're doing and stuff." He's like, "There's no <laughs> tricks and stuff. You know, just go check out the hole." And there's nothing in the hole. And then Richard's like, you see how the tie comes in there and stuff? Even though it's like buried in the ground. Isn't that amazing? Foreshadowing stuff that we see. 
and uh, then he pulls a gun on him. He's like, you got to get in the hole now. He's like, I'm not going to get in the hole. I, are you going to rather just shoot me? He's like, no, nah, you're going to get in the hole. And I'm just going to, you know, just bury yourself now. He's like, no, I'm not going to bury myself. He's like, well, if you want to see Becky at all, you're going to have to bury yourself in here. All right. And then I'll swear I'll bring her to you. So he buries himself in there and his head's like sticking up by it. And this is when he, the Richard, uh, he leaves. All right. And he leaves him there for a little bit. There's like a crab right there about to stab him and stuff. And uh, Richard, he's just taunting him the whole time. You know, very Mm. creepy stuff. And next thing you know, Allison, he brings out like a, a, t- a TV with hooked mm-hmm. up to a VCR out there on the beach. So my question is, do they ever explain um, how this is being powered? I think it was powered by a Jeep battery. That's the only thing I can by think his of. By a Jeep battery. Okay, yeah. fine. That's the only thing Fair I can enough. think we'll, of. We'll take that. We'll take that, I guess, as an answer. So he shows him a recording, and he did the exact same thing to Becky. So he lured her out there and put her on and buried her in the sand right next to the tide. Mm-hmm. All right. And then he buried him right next to the tide and he made her watch how she, as she was, you know, being sucked up by body. And he kept saying, he's like, you think you could do it? How long can you hold your breath? Can you even hold your breath? All right. How are you going to do it? You can't do it. He's like, and then like, you know, they're like fighting back and forth with each other. And then he eventually like leaves because, you know, Harry thought he was just going to, uh, you know, play along with his joke. And then he was just basically taunting him a little bit. But no, like, uh, Richard is fully intent to leave them both there to be washed up through the current. Well, he says, though, um, that if he can hold his breath long enough. Yes. That the when the tide comes in, it'll loosen up the sand and he'll be able to get out. Yes. But he, he knew that was not going to happen. Uh-huh. Oh right, of course. Yes. So we see Becky over there. She's like calling out for, for uh, for Harry and stuff, and she gets drowned about. And then we can see Richard going home and at his beach house, and he's turning on his recorder. I guess he has cameras out there too. So now he's watching, um, he's watching uh, Harry being uh, drowned, and it looked like he had some other videotapes in there too. So I wonder if he's like a serial killer. Like he had a bunch of tapes Possibly. in there. You think he, I, I? That's what I was thinking when he was going through like some of his tapes, tape collection, and he, and mm. he was like looking and wanted to watch something. And we, it was just a little later, but he's like looking through it. And I was like, maybe he's done this with other people before. Like he's like a mass serial killer that we just don't know about. Maybe. Um, so eventually, the water keeps coming up to Harry and stuff, and then Harry gets all serious. He looks right at the camera, saying, "I'm going to come after you, Richard. I'm going to kill you." And he's like, oh, yeah, you hold your breath. You can't hold your breath. And he's like screaming at him. And then the water goes over Harry, and then Harry's head turns into like this 80s glow. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now Richard's all hanging out at his, uh, his, his, uh, his house, his beach house. You know, want to watch some more videotapes, and he starts hearing a noise. All right. And he's like, you know, he looks around stuff. He doesn't see anybody with the noise. Goes in there, takes a shower, hears some more noises, and we can see that there is a slimy figure. We can't. It's kind of like the shadow. It's about to come mm-hmm. inside his house, and once he finally hears the final noise, he grabs his gun, 
And he's like, come on out, Harry and stuff. I know it's you in there. So he opens up the door, and this is where we can see Swamp Creature, Harry, and Becky. They have come from the dead. They're a swamp creature there, Allison. Kind of like the... What, 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 what do they get? The Black Lagoon's powers or something? Well, kind of. So they're like, um, I would say they're kind of like ghosts, sort of. Swamp ghosts? Like uh, they have seaweed all over them, but they're like um, uh, like risen from the grave. Yes. Kind of, to get revenge. To get revenge, brother. Yeah, yeah. So he starts to sort of shoot him a little bit, doesn't work out. And they're, uh, they're just saying, come to the beach with us, Richard. Come to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, fuck this. So it gets away from him and locks the door behind him. And it looks looks back and there they are. All right, they're there. They pop up behind him. They're like, come to the beach and everything. We're going to take you to the beach. So they eventually get him out there on the beach and they buried him in sand. And he's all like, I can hold my breath. I could do it. And then we get some of the beach tied and that ends our story right over here. Yeah, good tale of revenge. I love revenge tales. Yes. This is a good one. I like this one. This is a... Yeah. Well, well, we'll give our ratings later. But I thought this one was very, very fun. This is the crate. The yeah, the crate. Next. Yes. All right. So we got the crate up here next. Um, So <laughs> so this one, it was a weird, kind of a weird start off. So we have these, a couple main characters in this, in this crate. So we have Henry... All right, and he is married to Wilma, which is Billy, which is a very annoying, loudmouth drunk girl at the party. Okay, played by the incredibly gorgeous Adrian Barbo. Oh yeah, definitely. And then we have Dexter Stanley. All right, and they basically Henry and Dexter they work together. They're kind of like um, teachers at the school. And yeah. they met a new guy in town coming there to be a, a teacher and stuff, and the wife. And Billy is just wondering. Billy is the, the Billy is like her nickname, okay? The yeah, her uh, name is Wilma. Wilma, but she goes by Billy. Yes. And she just basically just wants to get everybody drunk, and she basically berates Henry throughout the whole movie. Yeah, she's a loudmouth bitch, basically. Yes. So also too during this too, we have the uh, the janitor, Mike, the janitor. He yeah. loses his quarter, and that's when he sees like these like hidden crates underneath a school staircase that nobody has find, found out for thousands and thousands of years. It's not been that long, <laughs> but it's been like a hundred years. Yeah. So the school has been open for a hundred years. Yeah, I mean that's not that uncommon for those northeastern schools. Yeah. Like those colleges, like some of those colleges have been open since like the 1700s. But don't they say that it was part of like a Arctic expedition from like 1892 or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Like this, yeah. So, so you know, Billy is over there trying to get Morphergus drunk because he says this part is too dry. All right, 1834. That's what it is. Yeah, I just looked it up. And yeah, 1834. Yes, that's where the crate was. Uh, and. So this part like kind of threw me off a little bit. So Dexter gets a call over from one of his students, right? And they're talking like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll see you tonight. And Henry's looking over like, like, so that means you're not playing chess with us? Huh? And we find out later like why. So apparently Dexter's wife died, right? 
And so ever since Dexter's wife has passed away, our boy Dexter, and I'm not talking about Dexter Morgan, okay? I'm talking about this Dexter from Creepshow. He is trying yes. to hit up all the uh, sorority girls now. All right? He has a fascination yeah, for his students. Yeah, he has a fascination with his students now. All right, but then he, uh, I guess he gets a little embarrassed. So he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll play the chess with you later tonight. And then he gets a phone call. And the phone call is through the janitor. And the janitor is saying like, hey, I found this really old crate from like 1880, mm-hmm. He's like, oh, don't worry about that. I had some stuff coming from Reader's Digest. <laughs> you ever got anything from Reader's Di- Digest over there, Allison? Nope, I never ordered, I've never ordered anything from Reader's Digest. Well, boy, Dexter's I guess that was nice. a... That was definitely a 1980s thing for sure. <laughs> and then he told me, like, no, 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 this thing's like older. It's like hidden on the streets. He's going to take a look at it. He's like, okay. So he goes down to the school with the janitor. Janitor tells him how he uh, found them by losing his quarter for his Coke machine. And yeah. they uh, they bring the crate, you know, to the to the lab. And the janitor's like, you know, I, I thought I heard something like crawling around or like, and stuff in here. It's like, no, no, like we're the only two here. Like, everybody's out for school already. So I don't know what you're hearing and stuff. And they're like, okay, well, let's open it anyway. So they open the crate, and they see something move. And they're like, well, what the hell? And then, like, the janitor looks it through. And it's kind of a cool shot where you can kind of, like, see his eyes through, like, the crate and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, I think there's something in there. It's very shiny. <laughs> and he puts his hand there, and, of course, he get the hand gets bitten off. And he's getting, like... The, and this is when the fucking Dexter, he, like, fucking, this guy, he does a great I'm scared to death, freaked out face. All right? This Fritz yeah. guy. I mean, this is fucking fantastic. Yes. His facials in this fucking movie. So he's freaking out. The, the, the creature is now eating up the janitor, like, through the whole box. And it pops out, and it's basically a giant teeth-looking teddy bear. Right. Huh, that's interesting. I thought it was like a baboon. Yeah, ba- yeah, I see baboon. It looks, it looks like a baboon with really sharp teeth. Yeah, but yeah. So basically, so this thing has been in this crate since 1834 underneath the staircase. Yeah, but it's never made any noise. No, it just hangs out, brother. It's chained never, up. What do you want him to do? But now, since the guy, since the janitor dropped his quarter in there, now it's all pissed off. Well, I'm thinking like so, so. So you're telling me this thing has been there since 1834, right? And now it's 1982. Yes. So you're telling right. me in like over like this is a hundred years. So you're telling me yes. in a hundred years they never did any remodeling. No. Okay. Never. never. It's been 150 years actually. Did they even have those kind of stairs Almost. in 1932? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> or maybe the maybe maybe it was like you know what it was. It was it was kind of like in Game of Thrones or uh, uh, the book. It's kind of like Megor, where he had the whole uh, uh, King's Landing. All the secret passageways were all built and stuff. All right. Yeah. And they had like all these people built the staircases and all the stuff to hide all the secrets. And then what he did was he he fed all the people who made the secret passageway. He fed them and stuff, and then he killed them all, so nobody would ever know the secrets except for him. Maybe the owner yeah. of the building, this building, did the same. Maybe. That's not the story I want to see, though. The story I want to see is how in 1834 they got this thing in the crate to start with. Well, you know, you just threw him a, like, a body. 
Uh I guess so. But if you take the top off of it, it like eats you immediately. Like it just pulls your arm inside the crate and eats you. And then blood splurts all over the, all over the rooms. How do they get this damn thing? It seems like after it's done eating a little bit, it's like, it calms down. So maybe you take that little short thing and you come in the body. Yeah. So after this happens, Fritz, he freaks out. All right. And he runs into Charlie, some just kid. And he's telling Charlie, like, he can barely even talk. Like, he's just mumbling to Charlie. And Charlie just thinks he's crazy. He's like, hey, there's something in there. It's crazy. It's killing people. And Charlie's like, okay, well, looks like you're a little off your rocker right now. All right? And I think he said uh, um, uh, far out. And um, so he's, like, getting out of there. So he's trying to escape from Fritz now. But then he goes into that room, and he sees all the blood everywhere. And now he yeah. thinks now he thinks uh, Dexter is the one who killed everybody. So now he starts freaking right. out about him. And he's like, no, 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 there, there's a box. There's a box here. Like, just go. He's telling him, just go into that staircase. There's a box in there. There's a crazy demon in there. Just go look. And then and then it's like, okay. And Charles like, about to go in there. He's like, wait a minute. You're not really going to go in there, are you? I just told you there's a crazy demon in there. And Charles like, well, I got to see for myself. Just to make sure. So he goes in there, looks around the flashlight. He sees his shoe. The shoe's all torn up and everything. It's all, you know, teared up and everything. And he goes in there. And then he gets attacked by the monster. This is when Dexter gets out there and he freaks out and he goes away. Yeah, there is one thing that we did. One plot point we forgot to mention about this. We did mention that that, uh, Billy is a loudmouth bitch. But yes. we did not mention that um, her husband is constantly fantasizing about mm. killing her. That's true. Yes. So he had um, he had one fantasy at the party where yeah, he was just going to shot her in the head. And everybody like <laughs> everybody was like <laughs> congratulating him while she's like berating him in front of public and stuff. Right. And then there was one where I had this happen to me before. Oh, you didn't clean off the stove, you asshole. I was like, oh, fuck, what? And then he dreams of choking her with the tie. All right. Yeah, and then you, uh, yeah, yeah, so then that happened, then you fantasized about killing your girlfriend. Yeah. Well, no, I mean. I can, I can relate. Now, I'd, <laughs> oh, be, no. <laughs> I'd be too scared. She probably has some like, Jedi trick that she'd kill me in there. All right? Yes. <laughs> she'd probably get yes. to me first, brother. All right? Gotta be careful with that one. Um, And then, like, the, uh, 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 and then she kept saying, "Like, what would you do without me?" You know, that was her big line. What would you would do? What, what could you do without me? All right. Mm-hmm. So then Dexter comes to the, you know, goes to Henry's place, telling him all what happened, and everything. And yeah. you know, at first, I don't think Henry's believing him, but he was just like, I guess it was some ideas were forming in his head. Yeah. And he he pours the uh, like he he. He basically pours a little liquid into uh, uh, Dexter's drink, and he drink Dexter drinks it. And now he's passed out. Okay, and now he's gonna go. Now he goes to the school. Henry does, and he leaves a note for Billy because Billy she went off after berating him to go get her hair done and shit. Mm. Yeah, of course. And he's cleaning up the blood. Billy comes back home. She's like screaming for him and everything, still berating mm. him, saying this guy can't figure out how to lock doors or nothing. And he reads the note. All right, and check out this note. All right. I could not believe they were putting this in the, in this film. This was this was this was the notes. All right, 
Yeah. So it's like, hey, hey, Billy or Wilma, this is uh, this is Henry or Dexter got himself into some trouble. Like you remember, like you know, Dexter's wife died a, a couple years back, and he's been fornicating with all these, you know, all these younger girls since then. And yep, he's he, a banging he got, college students. He's banging college students lately and stuff. And like he really did it with this one. He he came to my house all screaming and stuff and said like he's really bad and he's crazy and everything. You should see what he he did to her and everything. I think he really got this one this time. I was like, Well, what do you mean? Wait a minute. So wait so what, wait a minute. What's going on over here? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hold on, fine. <laughs> So wait a minute. So she is they're perfectly okay. Yeah. They think it's normal yes. that he might have killed yeah. this call this girl. I was like, did and this happen before? Fucking normal thing. <laughs> right. That's and then what Billy's I was thinking. Like, like, has he done this before? And then Billy's like, oh man, he he's got it. He did it again. I was like, what? What wait a minute. Where did this come from? <laughs> like like what in what world? Yeah. Even in nineteen eighty two, was this normal that uh you know that I mean I'm sure it was normal, more normal than it is now for a college professor to like bang a college student. Yeah. But like they make it sound so normal, like he oh he really did it this time. He killed this girl. Yeah. Like what the <laughs> fuck? But anyway, and that's then, what we're rolling. And then he's writing like, hey, I can't do anything on my own. I need your help to help me fix this situation. He's like, of course he did. Okay. So she shows up to of the school. She does. All right. And they're talking everything, and she's like, "Hey, where's Dexter?" I was like, "Ah, he's not here." I was like, "Where?" I need to show you this girl. You gotta see for yourself. I was like, "Why can't you just tell me?" He's like, "You just gotta see for yourself." All right, you gotta see for yourself. And then like she's just not having it, and he—you could tell like he's laughing and stuff now because he's so nervous. All right, mm-hmm. and he's just like, "Listen, listen, just just go under the staircase, check it out for yourself." She's in there. She's in there. She's in the staircase. Go check it out. So she goes to the staircase, right? She goes all the way in there. And he tries to like, yeah. he doesn't even like wait till she even gets halfway in there where he's just trying to push her and lock her in, which doesn't even work. He can't even do that right. All right. Mm-hmm. And then like, she goes up to the crate a little bit and she doesn't see anything. And then, he, and then, and then he, Henry starts freaking out. So he starts like banging her against the crate and nothing's happening. And then she's basically like starts punching him and stuff. Like you, what the fuck are you trying to do here? You know, you idiot and stuff. She's like berating him some more and everything, and now he can't figure out like, well, what happened? You know, where's this demon that Dexter was talking about? And then out of nowhere, the 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 bamboo teddy bear claw demon grabs <laughs> Billy, starts eating her. Yeah. He runs away a little bit, and then he grabs a lock, goes back there all slowly, locks the very tense locks the uh, the cage even though the thing was trying to get out a little bit and then now he's telling uh he's recapping to dexter what he did with the crate basically he took the crate into his truck he cleaned up the whole place uh mm-hmm. nobody was going to know that he was there or, or this even happened at all that basically that he fed his wife to this demon because there was nobody at the school no lights run or no nothing so he takes the crate and just throws it in the fucking river. Yep. And then now Henry and Dexter, he tells Dexter all this and they're all like playing chess. And Dexter's like, well, what, what happens if I would have called the police? He's like, no, no, you didn't. I know you didn't. All right. Mm-hmm. And then like, and then Dexter's like, well, well, what if it gets out? He's like, I changed it up myself. It won't get out. And of course, we, get out. And then of course we, out. we see that it actually gets out. 
and it opens up yeah. with the eyes and they relieve the story. So this this one was pretty fun. I like this one a lot. The crate brother. So now we got our last story over here of the evening. And this one is the uh 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 was it uh something? No no. They're creeping up on you. They're creeping up on you, yep. Alright. This one was uh, a little interesting. So we have Upsin Pratt. Alright. He is basically a rich old white dude in this condo suite. I guess it's his house, even though it looked like something out of like the 1970s Austin Power movie or something. <laughs> yeah. So basically he's like a um he's like he's like I think he's modeled on like Howard Hughes. Okay. So Howard Hughes was like this rich guy uh, who dabbled in a lot of things, filmmaking. Uh, but he was like one of the richest people in the world. But he, um, at one point, he was one of the richest people in the world at one point. But he developed this really, really bad case of like obsessive compulsive disorder, kind of, and like yeah. he, he, like he was extreme, like germaphobe. So at the in the last years of his life. He would he would live in a in a penthouse apartment and he would never come out. Um, he just never came out of his house. Okay. Um, and that's kind of what this is based on. Yeah. But I mean, he, he would he would basically spend all of his money like he would have like um, like for example like a story about Howard Hughes about how rich he was was like he lived in Las Vegas for a while because he wanted to rent he rented the uh, penthouse at the Tropicana. And um, they got to where they wanted, they were trying, like he stayed there for like forever, like months. And then um, he, um, they were trying to get him to leave the penthouse. So he just bought the entire hotel. Um, And then he bought a television station so that he could, so that it could play like movies that he liked in the middle of the night, things like that. So like he would just like, he, like he just had like an insane amount of money and could just, buy basically whatever he wanted so that's who this guy is like he's like this rich guy who like is so afraid of germs that he won't come out of his his house yeah because basically he has like a jukebox there and mm-hmm. he, he's complaining about these um these uh bugs basically where they're cockroaches and he found he, a cockroach he wants to know where the uh the landlord is because he he, he wants to get these cockroaches out of here and he finds out the landlord's on vacation, and he gave him until until ten o'clock to show up, and it's nine forty-three. Okay, so did now that he gets a call from his uh, his partner saying that they actually got to close this deal. All right, and he's just going on about stuff like so. Basically, he he uh, he, he got this deal closed um, mm-hmm. from um, this guy named. Uh, um, Uh, Castemeyer, all right, and uh, so hold on, <clears throat> let me start up. So he gets a call from like his partner, and they're talking a little bit. Like he doesn't really have the he doesn't let the talker the person speak because he kept going on about saying like the landlord's not here. Hey, you know that there's like this air pollution out there, but gonna be sucking up carbon monoxide they're all gonna be dead okay and yeah. there's like cockroaches all around this house i'm paying for this 
$32,000 a month apartments, condo suite, and there's bugs everywhere. All right. Which is a valid claim. Okay, I would say. Especially for that much money in exactly. 1982. Better be. He said, like, it's so... Uh, <laughs> I think he said, like, um, it was supposed to be, like, uh, uh, environmental friendly in here. Okay, but there's bugs everywhere. Okay. Um, and, then, and then the guy says, hey, you need to listen. We got the Gordon deal signed, but Gordon shot himself. And we mm. think he, he shot himself from this takeover that's happening. He got so distressed over it, you taking over the company outbidding him. And our boy Upstein's like, wonderful. Great. Yeah, he's happy great. about that. Yes, he's rejoicing. Okay. Yeah. So now he he's now we can see him spraying more cockroaches all around his house. And he gets another phone call. And this is when he gets a phone call from Gordon's wife who is now complaining to him, saying, I hope you're happy. You know, he only took his life because of what you did. You're, he, you're the last person he said on the on his uh, the voice and stuff, I hope you rot in hell. I, ho- I hope hell is hot enough for you. I was like, damn. All right. And it says, I hope you get fucking cancer, and I hope you get leprosy. I was like, damn, this girl just wow. doing it all over here. Shit. All right. And he's all like, ma'am, who gave you my personal number? Because I want to find that employee and fire him. All right. And she's like, nobody gave me your number. The number was in, uh, it was in Gordon's phone book. And he's all like, well, I guess I can't really fire him, can I? Nope, because he's dead. Sick burn, motherfucker. Then he hangs up on her. And of course, there's bugs everywhere. And finally, the bugs are kind of getting into his food. All right, and then now he gets a call from the uh, the landlord who was on vacation. All right, and he was on va- uh, vacation to Disneyland. <laughs> Our boy Upstein's like, nah. He's like, listen, you better come back from that damn vacation and take care of these <laughs> bugs over here, or else you're going to be on vacation next year with your family Disney World. Offer a welfare check. It's like, damn. It's fucking sick burns everywhere around this, this this one. All right. So then he's like, well, listen, I'll have my guy over there take care of it for you. All right. And then his guy is like Mr. White, who is a black dude. Strangely enough. And then we get some, uh, we get them talking. And we, I'm not going to lie, a little bit of this was a little racial. Okay. So I'm probably not going to say <laughs> what they were saying to each other. All right, yeah. but the 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 extent of it is, Mister White, the um, the caretaker, the caretaker assistant, the janitor, the main, it's probably like the maintenance guy mostly. He's like, listen, I called the exterminator. I don't know who has an exterminator twenty four seven like you do, but I mean, we called them and they're gonna be here soon, okay? But you just need to wait up a little bit, and you could tell in his voice that Mister White didn't really like. He just thought it, he thought like Upstein was crazy. Like, he didn't believe anything he said, basically. But Mr. White was very um, animated himself. Okay? So now the bugs are trying to get way out of control. Okay, they're getting to all the kitchen stuff. They're coming out everything. And all the power starts going out now. The power went out. And we kind of see the emergency power signs on. Off, all right? And... He finally gets a call and he gets through to the exterminator, all right? And he tells him who he is, Upstein and everything. I need you in my house right now. All these freaking things are taking over. And the exterminator guy's like, ah, there's a bunch of bugs everywhere. I can't come to your place. 
right now. There's there bugs everywhere. And I was thinking, oh shit, wait a minute. You know, there are bugs everywhere. Like, okay, cockroach bugs everywhere. They're taking over and we find out that it's not only in his penthouse, they're everywhere, supposedly. This is yeah. like the fucking nest. Maybe our boy Upstein was on that same island. And he actually had a condo on that island where they were doing those bug experiments, brother. All right? It all ties together. That's what I was thinking. Maybe, yeah. So then he tries to call Mr. White. He's stuck in the elevator. He's like, well, get out of there. He's like, well, I can't. I'm I'm stuck. (laughs) (laughs) So they're all stuck and everything. And... uh, and then this is when Epstein starts freaking all out. And then this is when we can hear the Gordon's wife again. I guess she got through and she says, I hope you die. I hope you die. There's bugs all over the place. I mean, they're on the walls, the floors, everywhere, everywhere, all around there. Okay. And then it's a couple hours later, I guess. And the jukebox comes on and we get a ring at the doorbell. It's Mr. White saying, hey, do bugs got your tongue? Where are you? You're not answering uh, the door. I'm here. He kept throwing all these jokes and stuff. And then we see Upstein just laying on his bed and stuff. And then this is when we get bugs crawling all around him and shit. You know, the bugs like fly, you know. He got eaten yes. by bug cockroaches. I mean, the, 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 I'm pretty sure the nest took from this movie and this scene. I mean, it had to be. Maybe, yeah. Because, I mean, like, so he's, like, covered in bugs, and then, like, the bugs, like, burst out of his chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah brother. They're eating bugs. Amazing. Yes. So this is a pretty wild story. So then we end with the the ending stuff, where we can see the garage guys picking up some of the trash. And we can see that the Creep Show comic book was in there. Um, and then one of the trash guys grabs the uh, the, the comic book. And they start reading some articles like about x-ray glasses. They're not in there. And then they're like, hey, we can't get this voodoo doll because somebody took the free voodoo doll coupon out. All right. Yep. One of those is played by uh, Tom Savini. Yes. <laughs> Pretty wild. Um, and now we, we go back to where uh, Tom, uh, uh, Tom Atkinson and his wife and stuff are in there. And he's like, hey, where, where's, my, where's the kid Billy? Where is he at? All right, you know what I mean. Back when I was, you know, back in my, we didn't read no comic books, brother. We were real men. All right, where's he at over here? And he's like, well, I'm just gonna get up there. And now, it's, and then now, like, uh, t- Tom started feeling some sick. He's like, hey, what's wrong with you? He's like, oh, he's like, do you need some Ben Gay? Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. right? ha. And then he starts freaking out. And then we could see that Billy is the one who got the voodoo doll, and now he is doing voodoo magic on his dad. And then the, the we end with the creeper creeping out, brother. And that ends the creep show. Number one. Yeah. Number one. All right. So let's give our list over here. So I'll, All right. do you want to go first? Nope. Okay. I'll go first. <laughs> you go first. Okay. So the one, the one I'm going to give number one to that I like the best was something mm-hmm. to tide you over. All right. I thought that story was, I I enjoyed that story the most because, you know, I, the realism that that actually kind of could, well, kind of could happen. Um, I like the uh, Nelson, I liked his freaking acting. I thought he did a great jackass, like he'll like 
asshole character, like possibly a serial killer. And yeah. I, I like the whole scene. I like, I like, I just like everything about this. I thought that was like my number one. Uh, my number two is probably going to be the crate. All right, I like that one. Um, I thought that one was pretty wild. Like, just it was kind of fucked up where the guy would like, you know, actually went through with like killing his wife and stuff and mm-hmm. some crazy backstory of Dexter like killing sorority girls and shit. Like, I was like, fuck, what the hell's going on over here? And then we get this crazy bamboo teeth monster. Um, mm. And then I would give it up to the uh, uh, next is probably going to be the bug one. Uh, uh, they're creeping up on you. I thought the up, up. I thought that was pretty crazy because the whole thing I was, you know, reminding me of that Nest movie. But I liked it where like they had the whole bugs taking over and stuff, and this crazy guy was getting his. Um, then I probably have to go with the uh, the Father's Day for my fourth one. Um, this one was like I couldn't really understand too much of the some of the some people's dialogue on here, and like the story was just kind of like eh. It was it was okay, even though I did like the uh, the old guy screaming for cake. His, yeah. his lines were "cake, bitch, and Father's Day." I mean, that was his lines. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and then the fifth one, obviously, weeds. I just thought that shit was terrible. The whole thing. It's, but besides the ending, where yes, we did have his um, his castle place and. Yeah. You know, you could tell that like, the world's going to be, you know, taken out by this, like, deadly plant disease. But I still thought it was kind of corny. But, Allison, what, what was your list like? Was your list close to mine? Or so, what? the reason I, w- I wanted you to go first was because I'm still struggling for my number one spot. But I'm going to say that I like the crate the best. Okay. I can see it. So, the reason I like the crate the best was because I like all the craziness that's in it about the guy banging the... The, uh, you know, the uh, students, and that's like a normal thing. It's also got Adrian Barbo in it, which I'm absolutely have always had this gigantic love for her. So she's in it. Um, it's also very HP Lovecraft like. Yeah. So Steve, Stephen King was hugely influenced by Lovecraft. He writes a lot of his stuff in a Lovecraftian style. And I like the idea of like there's this old ancient things that are have been around longer than humans and they're going to be here when humans are gone and this creature that they found in the arctic in the 1800s has been in this crate and now it's in our world and we can't control it i love the idea of that so i liked it the best um the second one was definitely something to tide you over that's probably honestly the yeah. best story of the movie but um that was really really good um, I really like that a lot. My third favorite one is something that's creeping up on you, um, mostly because of the Tom Savini special effects with the chest bursting with the bugs. I really like that a lot. Um, uh, this is going to be controversial. My next favorite one is The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. I liked it better than you did. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty silly. It, it's It's really silly. It's goofy, but I like the idea of the plants taking over everything. I think that's kind of cool. And then I like Father's Day the least. Yeah. I just think it didn't really have a lot of substance, although Ed Harris is great in it. Yeah. Um, I, but, you know, I liked it actually the least. Um, but, yeah, that's my that's my ranking on those. Sounds pretty fair to me. 
But yeah, we'll do those for every um, episode this month. We'll we'll rank our top stories that we like the best out of all these movies on here. Even though I think one of them only has like two stories. But you know, we'll just do one and two. Yep. But everybody, that has been Creep Show. Definitely fun. I mean, I can't wait to see number two. Because I think I remember the most about number two. Because that's what we're going to be doing next week here on the Retro Blood Creep Show 2. Mm -hmm. Um, So that should be pretty fun. Quite different. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, it is quite different. Um, it's been a while since I've seen it, so it should be pretty fun, like going back and uh, and, and uh, checking this out. Um, but we also got some other stuff for you guys. What what else do we got this month there, Allison? That we're gonna be doing? Um, we got some more obscure stuff. We got um, uh, from a whisper to a scream, which yes. is uh, which is uh, uh, features Vincent Price, the great. Vincent oh my Price. god. Uh, maybe one of the only times we get to talk about Vince's Price on this show. That's going to be a great episode. Um, yeah. I was reading about and that then, film. Like, you guys definitely want to go check that one out. Because that, that's going to be a wild, wild roller. Bro, the first story sounds insane. Okay? Yeah. Like, I yeah, can't wait be, to wait. I can't wait to do that movie. What else we got? Um, it's going to be great. So then we're also going to do uh an unknown well not unknown obviously but a little known movie that i've never personally seen called fright house um i believe that's gonna be the short one it only has two stories in it um so that's a classic from the early 80s and then we're gonna finish up with the uh as we usually do with the big classic movie yes. uh twilight zone the movie oh twilight zone the movie mm-hmm. which i don't think i've seen even though i'm a big fan of twilight zone so that should be fun oh wow yeah, uh, it does. It, it does have some uh, some uh, some attachment to the television series. Uh, we'll talk about that. There's a lot to talk about in Twilight Zone the movie. It's, it's uh, as you start uh, ta- researching it, you're going to find out some crazy shit about that movie. Oh, that's going to be fun. But yeah, everybody, join us. It's going to be a packed month over here in March, brother. It's going to be mm-hmm. a wild ride with these anthology stories. So I can't yes. wait to see where we're going to be packing. Because it, it's also a fun month for me because I haven't seen most of these movies. So I always love like going into them with like fresh eyes and everything. So, But everybody, if you have seen these movies, if you haven't, follow along with us here on the Retro Blood. And don't forget to follow yep. us on the Instagram, Facebook page. Um, I actually got us a website too, which I've been doing some blogs lately. Where you can find the, uh, the top five, you know, top 20 Horror movies you can find on 4K that we talk about from the 80s. Um, I did a recap of our uh, Vampire Month in the 80s on the website over there. So everybody go check it out if you guys like to see some uh, blog posts about the show. Um, I also, you know, I'm a big fan of um, uh, of uh, of, uh, of uh, um, physical media. Um, oh yes, like I, I'm you know, me and both me and Allison probably are a big fan of physical media. Yeah, um, physical media is king. It's king, man. Because, you know, a lot of streaming servers, you don't own this shit. You know what I mean? Nope. So, like, you know, on the blog post, what I do, what I'm going to start doing on, on, on the website is if I can find it, I'll, I'll send links to everybody on the on the post. So, if y'all want to find a, you know, if they want to see if this movie is out on 4K or Blu-ray or even DVD, I'll, I'll link it on there so you can go purchase it. You know, through there as yep. well too. So just some, some place yeah, for you your, guys to find. Buy your Blu-rays. Yo, buy your Blu-rays, bro. They steal books, man. You don't, you don't man. own anything. Yeah, you don't own yeah. anything streaming. Exactly. That that shit can disappear tomorrow. Exactly. Buy your Blu-rays. Like I've talked a little bit about this before on the show. Like, you know, Night of the Demons is one of my favorite horror movies, which we did in the archives. Everybody go check it out. 
but they they finally released a 4K of it, but then it came with Blu-rays, and I I could have waited to wait. I mean, they had the 4K version. <clears throat> I believe it still was on Peacock for a while. I could have just watched that one, but I was like, no, I want to own it. It's one of my favorite yeah. movies and stuff. You got to own and that it, shit, brother. Yeah, and like, there's things that people don't consider too when you're talking about physical media, because like with your streaming something, yeah. like I could decide tomorrow, like if I'm a billionaire. I could decide tomorrow that I fucking hate none of the demons yeah. and I could buy the rights to that movie and remove all rights to streaming for it forever. Yeah. And you can, you never see that movie again, but if you own a Blu-ray like James does, you can watch it. You can't come and take my Blu-ray. Away. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Not unless you don't want to die. Yeah. And like, like it just some of the stuff even looks better. Like you get those 4K resolutions mm. coming out from the DVD, playing yeah. it right through your DVD player to your high screen TV. It's going to look better than streaming it because you're still oh, streaming yeah, stuff got, over the internet. Yeah, because you got one of those newfangled 4K televisions. I, I still watch yeah. everything on a tube TV, but yeah, you got that newfangled 4K, so you're watching everything the way it's supposed to be watched. Yeah, yeah, brother. See, I'm like um, I'm like our boy Biff. From Back to the yeah. Future, what I did was, <laughs> I uh, I stole the DeLorean, and I went yeah. to the year twenty twenty four, and I got one of them nice four K TVs, and I brought it back to the eighties. So that's what I wow. did. Wow, yeah. yeah, that's what I do, brother. So, so speaking of that, let's get on out of here. How about we play some Shy Boy? All right, let's do Shy Boy from Talos. From Talos, brother, because it's kind of like our boy. Um, it's kind of like our boy Henry from the crate, yeah, brother. He was a shy boy at the beginning until he found out he found his way out by feeding his wife to a mangled teddy bear bamboo creature box demon. All right. Yep. Watch out for the bamboos. Watch out for their brother. But we'll see you here next time on the Retro Blood Creep Show 2. Y'all have a great one. It's going to be great. Watch the movies, guys. See ya. Later.